Welcome to the Little Muller Podcast. I'm your host, the Muller himself, Adam O'Brien, coming to you live from Quidlands Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia for, of course, FPN, the Fandom Podcast Network, where you can, of course, find this show and many others like it on fpnet.podbean.com. Tonight, we're going to be looking at a bit of a classic. This is a film which, hot on the heels of movies like Young Guns, Flatliners, and many others that, of course, enjoyed the casts of the uh, Rat Pack, as it was called, this new up-and-coming lot in the 1980s, of course, all the way back to uh, some very early films like, of course, Red Dawn and many others. This group made some of the greatest films of the 1980s, which we still watch today. One of those is the 1990 film Men at Work. It's an action-comedy thriller, and we're going to be talking about that tonight here on the show. You can catch me, The Lethal Mullet, and, of course, at The Lethal Mullet on all socials. And definitely join us on the Facebook there, where we, the Facebook page where we share all sorts of different things uh, that we see around the place and um, definitely stuff that you can enjoy when it comes to action, film, cinema, and of course the stars of those as well. So, last week we looked at um, obviously some um, flashbacks um, from um, previous episodes and this is our first uh, to be recorded in the last four weeks, uh, which is all fresh and brand new for you. Here in this episode, we're looking at a film which uh, was the brainchild, of course, of the director and writer Emilio Estevez, better known as Henry McCarty, alias William H. Bonnie, alias Billy the Kid. Kid Antrim, if you like, of course, of Young Guns fame. The son of Martin Sheen, of course, brother of Charlie. Uh, you know, Emilio is an interesting creator, something that's um, really gone on to some uh, amazing films of his own, and uh, that's some of the things we'll talk about tonight about Emilio as well. This film came out in 1990 and, um, you know, I think it was a, a good laugh uh, when it came out. You know, it was really known for its comedy. Uh, certainly was a bit of a VHS hit at the time. Everyone liked Charlie, of course, from Major League and all the other stuff he'd done. Platoon, from, yeah, been a bit of a serious actor, had done some funny stuff. And Emilio is quite funny and he's definitely the um, humility and the, the humour of the Young Guns uh, films as well. So this is a, an interesting one. It's about garbage men. And Garbage Man getting embroiled in a bit of a, a, bit, a thriller, which is quite interesting. And the two brothers, Charlie and, of course, Emilio, play those ones as well. The film also stars uh, Leslie Hope and Keith David as well. It was released August 24, 1990. So it was really at the height of when the um, Young Guns films were kicking around. So Emilio was hot property. Obviously, even after that, we had Free Jack, which is actually still one of my favourite sci-fi films. It's not a huge movie, but... Um, when you're playing with time travel and stuff, uh, that's got my eyes and ears peeled when I get those as well. So let's have a bit of a look at the story. So Carl Taylor and James, um, St. James are infamous mischief um, makers. And these are guys that are always looking to play games in the community when it comes to um, you know, being in this um, job that they are as uh, garbage men. And all they do is muck around, stir up the place and um, harass people. Even like, of course, uh, Mike, who's one of the local police, goes around on a bike, a bike cop. And um, Mike is always trying to stir them up and trying to catch them out. And um, But his an antics that go completely ignored. And they're definitely ones that, uh, no matter what they try, the brothers are one step ahead. Um, of course, they're on probation for their unprofessional attitude and, uh, and are assigned an observer. This is where uh, Lewis comes in. And this is all against, of course, them mucking around on the job. Lewis played by, of course, the amazing Keith David. And, of course, Keith 
and uh, Charlie know each other, of course, from working on Platoon together and became good mates on that. Hence why, of course, uh, this only enhances the great performance here we get between the trio of Emilio, Keith, and of course, Charlie. So after work, this is when they, they're basically just knocked off. Um, the two guys are spying on a woman by the name of Susan Wilkins, and she's living across the street at another, another set of um, units. And what she is um, doing is she's fighting with a man, a man that comes around. She basically storms out of the room, and Carl, as some form of payback against the guy, wants to uh, take him out. So they pick up a pellet gun, and he shoots the man <laughs> in the backside. And as um, they try and hide and laugh from it, two other men come into the um, Susan's um, unit, and they basically choke the guy out and then take him away, drag him away. So, they take his body, throw it into a barrel, and um, then put the barrel into their vehicle. And from here, as they're taking off with it, the actual thing pops out of the boot because they're such doofuses. And um, this is found the next day when they're doing the garbage, of course, the pickup, and they find this body. And of course, this is when Carl and James are a bit worried because remember, they shot it with a pellet gun. <laughs> um, this is when they only realise that the dead man is, is the exact same person they shot. Um, and the person they shot is also, um, you know, he's Jack Berger. And Jack Berger was somebody who was running for mayor. This is where Lewis goes into, of course, full army mode, because, of course, he's got post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD from being a Vietnam vet. And... <laughs> Basically, goes through, looks at the body, he said, nah, you guys couldn't have done it because this person has been taken out by a garrote. Basically, the person was strangled to death. So, this is where Lewis doesn't want to get any cops involved, and he says, basically, he takes full control of the situations, taking the body and, of course, stashing inside the unit. Carl then sees um, uh, Susan across and uh, sees her come home. He decides to go over to the apartment and then to the building. So the meeting goes well, and they decide to go for a drive together. Uh, and this is where <laughs> uh, it gets interesting, because even at the apartment, uh, Lewis then sees that the um, piece of delivery man sees the dead body. So they have to then take him with them as well. So again, we've got this group that's sort of just building as people see, you know, those apparent crime being happened. From here, uh, James then tries to um, get the police involved as well, but... Of course, uh, Lewis won't have anything of it and <laughs> takes the plug out of the phone, drags James, the pizza guy, and everyone into the car so they can follow Carl with, of course, the lady Susan. Uh, so this becomes a bit of a, a, a you know, on the road, um, you know, travel um, sort of a, a drama as well. And the thriller just uh, gets more so as we have uh, Hitman and, of course, Mafia in it too. So Carl and Susan are in hot pursuit where they have uh, pulled over by Mike and his partner, Jeff. So obviously on the bikes again. From here, uh, Lewis using um, the pellet gun and the, uh, <laughs> the pizza guy as a hostage comes off as some crazy um, veteran and forces them to drop their guns before handcuffing them to a playground naked. <laughs> and uh, it's one of the funniest parts and of course payback in the film to uh, these two police have been harassing them the whole time. So they're brought before Maxwell Potterdam III, a corrupt um, uh, businessman who's been dumping uh, toxic waste and illegal substances into, of course, the beachhead there in uh, LA. And um, 
course, Jack had been completely covering everything up, but he tried to get out of the project, and that's why he was killed. Carl and Susan then uh, stuffed into cans and thrown down into the lake where Potterdom has all the waste, using it as basically the dump site to put everything. But, of course, all of their barrels then fall off the truck, and he's free. This is where he and James manage to grab onto the truck and uh, take Susan away, along with the peace guy and Jack's corpse, followed to a rent a cop car afterwards. Carl rescues uh, Susan at the end, of course, they take on Potterdam's um, goons, which are just as bad. They're like Laurel and Hardy, I tell. And, of course, um, then, <laughs> using their pranks, they disperse them in the toxic water afterwards. So it's a feel-good movie, folks. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that, um, you know, we didn't see more of this sort of humour, you know. And it's, it's humour that is universal when it comes down to it, too. So it was directed by Emilio, written by Emilio, produced by Cassian Elway, um, and of course, uh, has also Daryl Larson, Dean Cameron, and John Getz in uh, similar roles. Cinematography by Tim Surstead, and we've also got Craig Bassett uh, as editor. Stuart Copeland with the music on this. It's quite fun music, very, very early '90s music, um, but works. And uh, it was produced by Epic Productions. Just falls shy of 100 minutes, and of course, on a budget of nine million, they did 16.2. So it made its budget back twice. So where did this movie come from? Well, originally it was called Clear Intent, and it was written in around uh, 85, 86, so in the height of um, the 80s. And this is where Estevez came up with the idea while he was making um, St. Elmo's Fire. He's, he, quote, he says, and I quote, I was living in a studio apartment in Santa Monica at the time, and I was up late one night, sitting at the kitchen table, working out some story ideas on my computer. All of a sudden, this trash truck came roaring down the alley under my window. It was 5 a.m., and it's just struck me. No one had ever done a movie about trash men before. So, interesting that they were going to do that. It was going to star Estevez and Judd Nelson. Now, Judd Nelson's one of my favourite actors. I've said that a number of times on here. He's um, just got that element of cool about him. But I think Charlie still would trump him in this stage too. John Hughes was going to be a producer, or even a director at one stage. Um, and this is one thing that um, Emilio was coming up with. And... Um, you know, it was, it was something that was probably closer to his heart, I think, uh, is the reason John Parson. And uh, again, Amelia wanted to direct it. He wanted to really start his craft. And of course, he's gone on to direct a number of films after that too. So Estevez did 15 different drafts of the movie and then uh, had no intention of Charlie being in it. But Charlie said he wanted a part after seeing the script and thought it was, hey, felt that you need a comedy after doing things like, of course, Platoon and... And all that sort of stuff. And obviously, he got into comedies after this too, with, of course, Hot Shots as well. So, with a $9 million uh, production, uh, the film's title was changed to Pop 69. And then, of course, to um, Men at Work. Hey, we had Pop 69. How does that work? <laughs> Pop 65. <laughs> um, and, of course, it's shot uh, in and around Hermosa Beach in Redondo Beach in California. So it's great to see that they're sort of using, of course, the local um, area and, of course, local talent in this movie as well. And, uh, and it was done well, folks. I mean, that was a lot of fun to watch the movie, which I love the California coast is, um, particularly around those areas. Uh, you know, we, we know it so well, but uh, again, it's shot in a different way. It was quite good. Charlie Sheen said of, uh, of it, the experience was great. He knew me well, too. He'd say, hey, dude, let's get real here. I respect the hell out of the video. He's very Tai Chi when it comes to directing. And, you know, there's something about Amelia. He's always been a thinker when you look at what he's done over the years. And, um, you know, 
its performances are very much of that too. Even, you know, there's little bits and pieces of a free jack, for example, which, you know, he's, you know, less is more approach really works. And of course, he's using that visual communication that comes through too. And what's interesting is that also he's, you know, he's got a great sense of his brother too. He likes the fact that, you know, he pushed um, to have more humour in things and a, and a sense of humour that is natural to him, a very dry wit. Filming began in March 1989. The studio didn't like the original ending, shooting the new one um, 10 different ways. Uh, so 10 additional days on filming to do a new, fil uh, new editing to it as well. And of course, Estevez um, edited the film while making Young Guns during the daytime. And that was, of course, Young Guns 2, the sequel. So it's interesting for, you know, Estevez doing double time on this, you know, really sort of pushing the envelope, I guess, with it a little bit too. So even though it's very, very small production, it still made um, 16 million US. Um, and of course, you know, 3 million of that was in the first um, opening weekend as well. So, you know, and it doesn't have the greatest response. It's very negative uh, from critics, etc. But I still think this film is definitely one that is above um, the board. And that, of course, comes from the great, um, you know, comedic tones that, that um, Estevez put in it too. You know, Estevez has that feel. Again, you get mullets of this too, folks. Both of them have mullets, so it definitely falls in their mullet line, uh, which we'll look at too. All right, so we're going to have a look at a little bit of the cast here, of course. Um, Emilio, of course, as we said, done all the work in Young Guns 2 and um, obviously all the other 80s hits he'd done up to that point and done a fantastic job for the most of it. Charlie, obviously, had been a very serious actor at the time, so it was something a little bit different for him. Leslie Hope, uh, and this is quite good as both a bit of a love interest but also the... The woman sort of in the middle of this um you know th thriller part and um you know she's really really interesting and i think um you know she put a lot of effort into um obviously being you know not knowing what's going on from their angle as well as his uh you know as in uh, charlie's in this too but all works really well particularly where carl comes into it as well we've got john getz playing maxwell potterdam the third and um you know John Getz, interesting actor. He kind of he plays that corny role quite well. Uh, he's been a lot of different stuff over the years. He's one of those ones you, you see his face, you go, oh yeah. <laughs> he was in The Fly. Uh, he's in Zodiac as well, and um, you know he's an actor that um, plays humour well, but plays it so it's you know not tongue in cheek as such too. Uh, we've got Jeffrey Blake. Obviously, Jeffrey Blake was also in the amazing Young Guns. That's right. I called him a fat sow. That'll give you clues to who he's playing. Of course, he plays the turncoat who joins the regulators. And um, he's an Emmy award-nating uh, winner of a uh, number of things too. Um, Two-time SAG award-winning actor as well. Uh, and he's done another number of stuff. And uh, he was also in uh, uh, iconic Academy Award Best Picture, Forrest Gump, he was in that. Um, and of course, he was in... Um, a number of other things too as well. One of the things I think that he did well was that, um, of course, he's, he's sort of always at the hot points of some of the greatest films out there. He's in Contact, he was in Midway. Um, he's also in The Last Starfighter, folks, if I remember right, which goes back to, oh yes, 1983, was it 84? <laughs> but it was that long ago that folks that, you know, he was also in Texas Rising, uh, NCIS he's been in, he's also been in Criminal Minds, 
uh, Sammy Gray. So a lot of TV work, folks. This is a, you know, uh, he was in The Pretender. Uh, he was also in Martial Law. Yeah, the Martial Law that we're talking about. You know the one. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Renegade, he was in also. And uh, also LA Law, Fern Gully, Critters 3, Matlock, Alien Nation, the TV show, which is often lauded as being the better of the ones. He was in Alpha as well. Uh, as we go down even further, yeah, last Starfighter, play Gary. There you go. Much stuff for a lot of people, but again, plays um, this one frost in this, and of course, the butt of me, the practical jokes are yeah, there too. Cameron Dye plays Lazinski, um, we've also got Hall Holinsky as Biff, John uh, Lovicelli as Mario, as well, too, and um, John Putch as Mike, of course, one of the officers there too, and Daryl Lawson plays Jack Berger. So, there you go, and we got um. This film, it's got a little bit of trivia, folks, too, which we're going to get into now as well, uh, which is interesting as it is. Okay, here we go. So, when it comes to a lot of their stuff, I think, you know, in particular, you know, with the work that they do, the films, you know, a lot of the stuff, you just, you think, well, they have a lot of time on movie sets, they've got to be able to do some fun stuff to uh, throw in. And, you know, some of those are. So, James uh, Locker, so that's Emilio's Locker in this, Contains a sticker for the Circle Jerks, which, of course, who starred with him in Repo Man. Charlie Sheen pulled a prank on Emilio by saying that he had punched a paparazzo in a restaurant on the night before filming. Sheen took it further by having an on-set police officer who was working security arrest him for assault while he was filming a scene. Estevez was stunned <laughs> until Sheen returned laughing. So... It's not just in the film, it's also outside of it. They do a lot of these, um, you know, muckarounds too. Uh, we've also got in this too, um, the scene where Louis terrorises the cops, uses the same music from A Clockwork Orange as well. Potterdam's Hitman's licence plate says, Hit Men. <laughs> uh, the restaurant where Carl and James eat lunch is called Good Stuff. There are three locations in the Los Angeles area. They filmed at the location of Hermosa Beach in the Strand, which James mentions during lunch. Keith David plays a combat-hardened veteran, a uh, Vietnam veteran. Not only did um, David co-star with um, Charlie in Platoon, but Emilio Estevez went on to play a traumatised victim of um, the Vietnam War as well as a veteran in The War at Home. Um, we also got... Uh, Emilio Estevez's character asks Charlie char uh, character if he's a major league loser, to which Cheen replies, Major League, obviously a reference to the movie in which he starred the previous year. Emilio Estevez and Charlie uh, Sheen play Garbage Man in a film made 17 years after their father, Martin Sheen, had played a Garbage Man in Badlands in 1973. <laughs> um, when Lewis is stopped by the South End security, he looks into the camera and says, Renikoffs, I hate Renikoffs. Thus, breaking the fourth wall when he says, I hate Renikoffs too. <laughs> uh, the sanitation company, when Carl and James work, is called Shoreline Waste. Their motto is, you're friendly, efficient garbage experts. During the scene where Carl fires the pellet gun, a few bars of harmonica theme from Once Upon a Time in the West is heard. So there's a lot of in-moment in stuff. Another one is one of my Emilio favourites here too. In the movie Stakeout, when Richard Dreyfus is invited to Madeline Stowe's house and Emilio is looking with binoculars, Richard does the same hand gestures. And he has a similar, Charlie has this movie when Estevez sees him invited to Leslie Hope's apartment with his binoculars. Again, 
an amazing uh, group of uh, <laughs> factoids here. There's even more, and you only have to check it out, of course, at imdb.com. Much, much more there for you to all check out. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Look at Man at Work.